This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for January 31st, 2020. Apple releases updates for most of its hardware. Apple's bug bounties appear to be paying off. The Ring doorbell is scrutinized again. Profiles on your iPhone. An antivirus application sells your browsing data. And another piece of malware is posing as a flash installer. Now here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. It's another week when we have to do the update dance, isn't it? Ah, yes. More Apple updates have come out this week. It's interesting how they dump them all at the same time. And is there a reason for that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, really, the underpinnings of all of these Apple operating systems, whether it's macOS, iOS, iPadOS, even tvOS, even watchOS, you wouldn't necessarily think of a watch or a television-related device having the same underlying operating system components as your desktop computer or your phone, but they do. Um, They really are all based on a lot of the same technologies. And so that's why when Apple releases updates, they release updates for everything. Well, one good example is that in the latest version of watchOS, you can actually view web pages in certain circumstances. So like if you get an email and HTML, you can actually view it like an actual web page. Uh, They do not include a magnifying glass with the Apple Watch, so it's not very useful. But it is using the same WebKit that we've talked about many times, which is the framework used on Apple devices uh, to render web pages. And WebKit actually often has security vulnerabilities and security fixes because the web browser is one of the entry points into any computing device these days. Exactly, right, that's true. And it it is interesting though, because you don't actually have a web browser, there's no version of Safari for watchOS, right? I mean, as you mentioned, it would be very difficult to to pull up a web page on a device that's that tiny and really be able to do much useful with it. But there are scenarios like you described where Something is rendering using HTML, the hypertext markup language that is behind the scenes on every website. And, uh, you know, it. you still need to be able to render those things in a way that you can view it and see images embedded in a, in a page or, or other content like that. Or other apps that use the WebKit framework to display content. Right. Um, there are a lot of notes apps, for example, that you don't realize it, but they're essentially when you type into a note, you're typing into a page that's using HTML to display it. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of these interesting scenarios. The same thing with the Apple TV. There's no Apple Safari web browser for the Apple TV, and yet it also has that WebKit framework, among other frameworks that are built into all of these platforms too. That's just one example. I'm looking at the Apple Security Updates webpage, which lists every single security update for everything. And so it's interesting to go through this because sometimes you'll find things that you don't even think about. Xcode, Apple's development environment, gets updated. iCloud for Windows. And occasionally some odd things such as Swift NIO. In other words, there's a lot of things that are updated that aren't even the main operating systems. So what stands out in this week's round of updates? 
Well, first of all, I have to say one of the things that continues to surprise me is whenever Apple releases uh, security updates for iOS 12, remember iOS 13 is the current latest version of iOS. We're on iOS 13.3.1 now and iPadOS also 13.3.1, but iOS 12 is still getting some updates. So now we're up to iOS 12.4.5. This is only available for those devices that could run iOS 12, but cannot run iOS 13. And that goes back pretty far. That's that's back to the iPhone 6 and 5S. Um, the early iPad Air, et cetera. Right. And I, I think the reason that Apple is doing this is um, they've heard enough feedback from people like me over the years complaining that, hey, you know, not everybody necessarily needs to get a new smartphone every year or be forced to upgrade to pay for a brand new phone if, you know, if they're the kind of person who probably wouldn't be using a smartphone except that kind of everybody does and so they feel like they have to but they don't necessarily want to spend the money to get the latest version of the phone every year and so for those who are still using an iphone 6 they can still get updates um even though it may not be all the updates as we've talked about before but at least they're all the critical things are being fixed yes but note that there is one device in there that was sold less than a year ago Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I I never forget that. That's the the poor iPod Touch. The iPod Touch 6th generation, <laughs> yeah. This was the last iPod Touch with a 32-bit processor. It was updated um what in August or September uh for a 64-bit processor. Right. So this is to update a product that you may still have under guarantee that's less than a year old. Right. Well, and so that's a fair point and maybe that's the real secret reason why <laughs> Apple is still releasing updates for iOS 12 as well, but um, some of the interesting things that were patched for iOS 13, uh, there was something that had to do with um, cameras. In Apple's description, they say an issue existed in the handling of the user's self-view. The issue was corrected with improved logic. And they say that the impact is a remote FaceTime user may be able to cause the local user's camera self-view to display the incorrect camera. So I guess what that means... That's pretty cryptic. <laughs> the self-view is the little thumbnail you see at the bottom of your phone when you're doing a FaceTime that shows what you look like, which shows what's coming from the facing camera. Right. So does this mean that a remote user could like put someone else's picture there? Well, I think what it means is that uh, somebody could, if they're on a FaceTime call with you, they could get you to see a different camera from what you're actually showing them. So maybe you you think you're showing the rear camera because that's what you see on your screen, but they're actually seeing your face. Right, because in FaceTime, you can tap to show the rear camera instead of the front camera. So let's say you're walking around a house to show it to someone. You could use the rear camera to show them the house rather than the front camera to show right. your face. So you might not want your face to be seen, and perhaps there's some way that people could trick you into thinking your face isn't being seen. Right. Maybe you just stepped out of the shower, and so you flipped your camera around thinking that you know you were just going to yep. show somebody something in the room, and uh, they weren't going to see you. And um, well, it might, it, it might surprise you to know that apparently there were some ways to exploit that. Um, what else? Um, there's some interesting things in here. Uh, for Mac OS as well. There's, there's a utility on the command line called S-U-D-O. Um, I've heard it pronounced sudo or sudo. Um, and it's... It, I've always said sudo, yeah. but... 
What do I know? I say router. <laughs> and I say router. But uh, <laughs> sudo or sudo um, is super user do. And uh, so it, it's, it's a way of saying from the terminal, okay, the next command that I'm going to run, I want you to run this as super user. So a super powerful uh, user uh, on, on the machine, uh, the ultimate administrator account, you could say. And there was actually a bug in that software and it's, and Apple says that certain configurations may allow a local attacker to execute arbitrary code. And so they fixed a bug there. Uh, there was a, a Wi-Fi related issue. A remote attacker may be able to cause unexpected system termination or corrupt kernel memory. And, uh, and um, th- lots, lots more interesting things like that. So we, we will have an article on the Mac security blog where you can read about all of these fun things. What I find interesting is that we read these descriptions and they look pretty banal and they look like they're uninteresting, yet some of them can be really, really severe. Yeah, well, I mean, people are finding really interesting vulnerabilities these days. I mean, you know, Apple has a bug bounty program and uh, they even have a bug bounty program for Macs now. And so I think a lot of people are really interested in... uh, you know, maybe getting a little bit of money for reporting these these vulnerabilities. Of course, you know, you've always been able to sell bugs like this on the black market for a number of years. But uh, but now that Apple is accepting, you know, and offering rewards for certain uh, severe security vulnerabilities, um, you know, it's it's a uh, something that more people are probably willing to to do the research, find these things, and sell them to directly to Apple, so they can fix them rather than selling them on the black market, where some government is going to use them to hack into people's phones. I actually find a couple of the Safari um, vulnerabilities to be the most interesting. One of them says. Visiting a malicious website may lead to address bar spoofing. And we've talked about that in the past, um, where you see something in the address bar suggesting you're on a certain website, but it's not exactly that website. And another one that says a local user may unknowingly send a password unencrypted over the network. These are both very serious issues. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to happen all the time, but that they could happen. And, you know, send a password unencrypted means anyone can read it. Address bar spoofing means you think you're on a website that you're not. You might enter login information and, you know, for phishing attempts. So it th- this is all very low-key the way they present it. But it's true that some of these things are very serious vulnerabilities. So just make sure you update all your stuff. And, man, it takes a long time if you've got a lot of Apple stuff. Um, I got two Macs, two iPads, iPhone, iPod Touch, um, Apple TV, two HomePods, Apple Watch. I mean, you add all that up, just the time to enter your passcode on each one to say, please update this. You know, it takes half a day. But it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. I, I wonder what it's like for people in business who manage large numbers of devices. Is there a way to... Um, just send updates to all the devices at once? Um, there are some ways that you can do that. Yeah, it depends on the device you're managing, uh, depends on exactly how your network is set up, whether you have devices that are always online or not. Um, but yeah, there are some ways that you can deploy updates in mass like that. Okay, R- real quick before the break, um, we've talked about the Ring doorbell, which is our new 
It's kind of weird. It's a kind of a whipping boy the way we blame Facebook for problems, but we both own ring doorbells. So um, I, I kind of feel a little bit, not guilty, but um, we're, we're talking about this product, which seems to have a lot of security issues, and yet I have one. The Electronic Frontier Foundation has warned that ring doorbell app is packed with third-party trackers. Now, this is the Android app. This is not the iOS app. When you think about it, an app like that, which is essentially designed to be an interface with your doorbell. So you get a notification that someone's at the door, or you might get a motion notification, and then you go to the app and you can see who's at the doorbell and you can talk to them. Um, but as we've mentioned in previous episodes, in the US you have this neighbors section of the app, which we don't have, which allows you to share um, your doorbell video with other people. And so apparently Ring is collecting all sorts of data Users' full names, email address, device information, app settings, and a lot of stuff. This is getting to the point, and we were saying before the show, um, maybe it's time to get rid of our ring doorbells. <laughs> well, you know, in their defense, and maybe I shouldn't be defending them on this, um, and, and it's I use the word defense very loosely here, by the way. Um, but there are a lot of apps, really almost every app that you use on your phone has some sort of third-party trackers built into them. Um, so I don't know that it's necessarily that different from, uh, you know, just about every other app that you're using, but, um, but it is worth being aware of, I guess, that, that these things are there, that there are things built into your apps that are tracking, what you're doing and tracking where you're going. Um, Facebook is one of the things uh, that they're using. They're utilizing Facebook's Graph API um, application programming interface to uh, alert when the app is open and among other things. Yeah, it's sort of weird. Like why, if I'm not signing into Ring with a Facebook account, why should Facebook have anything to do with my Ring app? So I, I'm definitely in favor of this kind of research. I'm actually doing some similar research um, right now for uh, with regard to iOS apps. As you mentioned, this this article really only talks about the Android version, but I would suspect that probably a lot of the same things exist in the iOS version of Ring's app as well. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you are the product. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 40%. That's PODCAST19 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. 
Visit Intego.com today. So if it's free, you're the product. And this is not an uncommon turn of phrase. Since we've gotten into this sort of surveillance capitalism economy where everything's free, Google's free, Facebook is free, you can stream music for free and supported streaming, all of it because they're getting data from you. A couple of weeks ago, I was visiting a Mac-related website. I won't mention the name on my iPhone, and I saw an ad that was coming through Google AdWords. And the ad, and I'll put a screenshot in the show notes just of the ad, senior coupons, senior, as in senior old people. I guess I'm a senior now. Three easy steps. Click senior coupons, install our free profile, get coupons and save today. And my first thought was, whoa, install our free profile? Uh Uh-oh. Um, We've talked about profiles a few times here. Um, Profiles can be used on an iOS device or any type of device to do a lot of things. Let's say you want to use a VPN, you need a profile. You want to install beta software, you have an Apple developer account, you need a profile. Um, Let's say you've got a problem with your iPhone or your Mac and you contact Apple support, they may, may give you a profile which is going to collect log information and data which is normally not accessible to users. So if you just contact some random company and install a profile from them, they could essentially read anything on your device, couldn't they? There's a lot of potentially nefarious things that somebody could do if they can get a profile on your device. Um, It's definitely never, never a good idea to install a free profile if some website is offering it to you. Um, And as you mentioned, Kirk, there are very few legitimate reasons why you might install a profile as a typical user, a consumer of one of these Apple devices. Um, In a business environment, in in that context, um, most uh, large businesses have something called a mobile device management solution. Uh, and those typically will install profiles on your uh, devices. And they will do usually innocuous and helpful things um, to sort of make sure your device is in compliance with, you know, um, uh, various things that the business has to comply with. Maybe it has to do with web filtering. Maybe uh, it's for convenience and being able to easily access the company's Wi-Fi networks without having to manually program all of these devices to do but that. But this is all because the business owns the devices and they control them, and that's their exactly right. Exactly, right. And that's really what the intent of Profiles is, is to give owners of these devices who have to manage a lot of devices, an easy way to deploy settings and functionality that will affect their entire fleet without having to do all these manual changes over and over again on every single device. And so profiles can be very helpful for a business, but when you're talking about, yeah, some company that wants to give you coupons and they're offering you a profile, that is bad news because you have no idea what they're going to do. In their terms of service, they say during your installation of the services, we may change your settings and install additional profiles on your device to enable our services. You expressly authorize us to make these changes. Yikes. This is a company that has a website and that exists, and this should this is probably illegal. And the thing is, uh, what was the Facebook thing that we talked about last year where Facebook had been using an internal developer profile that they were distributing to kids? They'd give them 20 bucks um, to be able to 
you know, snarf up their data and Apple shut off that developer account. This sounds like the same kind of thing, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it's it's very similar. I, I think specifically with the Facebook thing, Apple was concerned, well, partly concerned because this was going to underage people, you know, uh, who were um, being targeted in that particular scenario. But yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not supposed to use your Apple developer ID in for things like this. This is specifically really spying, spyware type activity. And it's not the kind of thing that Apple intends for you to use profiles for. Okay, so another thing that came up this week is We'll link to an article on Vice. Leaked documents expose the secretive market for your web browsing data. And it turns out that an antivirus company that distributes a free antivirus um, was selling every search, every click, every buy on every site, in quotes. In other words, you get something for free, and that free software is doing kind of the same thing that this coupon scam is doing. (laughs) Well... Uh, we, we've we've actually seen this before with uh, with other antivirus software. Um, that uh, you might remember, I think it was last year. Uh, there was another antivirus company that had a number of apps on the Mac App Store that were collecting your browsing data. The same kind of thing that this uh, uh, antivirus program was caught doing just recently. Um, so we've we've seen this from multiple antivirus companies, and so the question, of course, naturally uh, uh, has come up: What about Intego? What what's is Intego doing this? And of course, not. <laughs> well, yes, Intego has a free antivirus called Virus Barrier Scanner. Uh, yeah, it? It, it's in the Mac App Store. Uh, we have a free product called Virus Barrier Scanner, and why is it free? Wait a minute. You just said that if something is free, then you're the product. Well, okay, here's the difference. Virus Barrier Scanner is specifically a uh, a scan-only version of virus barrier, the full product. So when we talk about antivirus software, the antivirus software that you should run on your computer should have real-time scanning capability. That means that if you accidentally open a program that's infected or that is malicious, you will immediately have that stopped by your antivirus product. That's what real-time protection does. With something like a standalone scanner, like virus barrier scanner, it can do a one-time scan. It may even be able to do scheduled scans, but it's not going to protect you in that moment when an infection comes up. So it's the kind of thing that can be useful for sort of after the fact cleaning up something that got infected, but it's not going to protect you in the moment that you're about to get infected. And that's where it's th- there's a distinction. Right, and that's when you're the most vulnerable. When when something hits you, it could get all through your Mac um, without you knowing. It could delete files, it could upload data, etc. So, virus barrier scanner is meant as a what would we call it? A lanyap? Do you know that word? No, I'm not familiar with that word. It, it's like a freebie to get someone interested in there something. There you go. Naturally, the idea is to show people how important it is to have a virus scanner and to get people to discover virus barrier. And even the Mac security blog, because there's a link right in the interface of Intego Virus Barrier Scanner that takes you to the Mac security blog where we write about Mac security. Oh, and by the way, I ran Virus Barrier Scanner today, and what's interesting is it scanned one of my external drives where I have a bunch of archives, and I found two old Word files from 1999 that have macroviruses. Wow, that's pretty cool. 
I mean, pretty cool that... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if these macro viruses would still work with the current version of Word, but I find it surprising that I had never discovered them in the past. Um, again, this is 1999, so these were always in my archives, and I probably never scanned them before. Wow. Well, there you go. Virus virus scanner works. <laughs> In another, if it's free, you're the product bit of news, Facebook has agreed to pay $550 million to settle a privacy lawsuit. So what they were doing is they were taking photos of people who had been tagged on Facebook. And none of, nothing that I've read here says Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. It only mentions Facebook. You know, if you put a photo of someone on Facebook, you can tag them. Um, so basically, you're attracting their attention to the fact that they're in a photo, and they'll click on yet another page and see more ads. What happened is that this was in violation of the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act, known as BIPA, which is a lot easier, where people need to opt in to allow this information to be collected. Now, when we were discussing this before the show, you were thinking, well, how is that biometrics? But if you think about it, if you've got 10 photos of someone in different lighting, in different positions, um, you can roll those all together and probably make a good 3D model of their face. Right. I've never really considered, you know, the the way that Facebook identifies people in photos as as biometrics in any way. But when you look at it that way, and yeah, okay, I can see that. I, I it kind of makes sense because although it's not. Um, they're, they're not scanning your face. It's not like the Facebook app is projecting things onto your face and like developing a 3D model, but they're kind of essentially doing something that is similar to that by analyzing these static two-dimensional photographs. Um, you can pretty much tell what somebody looks like and, and you really could develop a 3D model of somebody's face if you have enough two-dimensional photographs of them. Yeah. So with the power of AI, pretty much any data about us can be exploited. Um, be careful about how many photos you put on Facebook. And remember, just recently we talked about how there can be location data in your photos. I'm pretty sure Facebook strips that. Um, but all of this personal data that we're giving to companies, it's gotten to the point where there's almost nothing that we do that doesn't collect personal data. Now, granted, Apple is the company that collects the least amount of personal data. They do anonymize as much as possible. Um, but any website you go to and you give any information to, they're getting data about you. Just an aside, I recently turned off Google Analytics on my personal website because I've just been getting tired of all of this data that Google's collecting about us wherever we go. I honestly don't need it because um, I use WordPress and I get stats from WordPress. Google Analytics gives slightly different data, but it's just, we, we have to start acting against this stuff. We have to stop accepting this everywhere. Yeah, you know, Facebook and, and Google um, both kind of have their tentacles all over the place. As, as we talked about, even in your Ring doorbell app, you've got Facebook somehow embedding itself in there. Um, I, I really don't like the idea of, of two companies in particular sort of, being able to have so much information and develop such a very specific profile about everybody, including people who are not really necessarily users of the system. You don't have to have a Facebook account. Facebook knows a lot about you. I, I just don't like that at all. Yeah. And particularly, they may know about you through your friends, through people who you interact with, who unwittingly you give access to them to get information about them. Um, that's some, that's some of the creepiest right. stuff. Okay. I think it was just last week that we talked about how, um, Safari will soon be completely blocking Adobe flash. 
there's been some stuff in the news, um, which doesn't surprise us, but actually I guess the number does surprise a little bit. Um, Ars Technica says that Mac users are getting bombarded by laughably unsophisticated malware. This is Schleyer, Schleyer, hard to pronounce. Um, it's malware that Intego discovered, and it's one of these things that gets installed if you get tricked into downloading a bogus Flash Player installer. One in 10 Macs are infected by Schleyer. Yeah, th this is malware that's been around for about two years now. Um, Intego first discovered it in 2018, and, uh, and now... The, the rest of the antivirus world is, uh, is starting to follow this malware as well. And we're, we are seeing this all over the place. Um, it's, it's very interesting, their statistic that, you know, one in 10 Macs has, has this on there, which is, um, uh, it's, it could be kind of surprising if you are like most people and just kind of assume that, oh, Macs don't really get malware, right? Like, that's just something that people talk about and say, oh yeah, there's Mac malware just to try to get you to buy antivirus products, but you don't need that stuff. I hear this all the time. And um, the reality is that a lot of Macs actually are getting malware downloaded onto them. And, and in many cases, people don't even necessarily realize it's there. Um, so what, what I find really interesting about Schleyer being so popular is that, uh, you know, this malware is typically, as you mentioned, it comes as, as a fake Flash Player installer, right? Flash Player is dead. As of this, the end of this year, Adobe, which makes Flash Player, is no longer going to be releasing any updates for Flash Player. And yet we are still seeing this. It's been like a decade, right? I mean, we first started seeing a lot of... Um, fake flash player installers like around what was it like 2009 and we're still seeing that more than a decade later so you know this this whole flat fake flash player thing i'm really curious to see whether this is going to go away after 2020 or whether we're going to still continue to see people kind of exploiting that memory of you know oh yeah i remember that time when uh, Flash Player was having vulnerabilities every week, and I had to constantly be installing updates. And I, I think it's just so ingrained in people's brains from a, from a decade ago that there's enough people who go, "Oh yeah, that's that thing I'm supposed to update," and they they just believe all these uh, these fake Flash um, websites that try to force this stuff on people. So yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see whether they change their tactics or whether they're going to continue to say. This is a, fa a Flash player that you really need to install after this year. Okay, that's enough for this week. Um, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com. <laughs>